Here's a swing and a long one to left. Tag bag is it enough? He's hit his 400th. Has Paul Canerco to tie the game at two. Paul, nicely done. Congratulations. Left center field. Wise on the run. He's at the track. He's at the fence. Leaps. Makes the catch. Yes. He took away a home run. Wow, what a play. Welcome to a very special White Sox Weekly on WGN Radio. Celebrating the life of White Sox player and play-by-play man, Ed Farmer. He was swinging a high fly, deep right field. Track wall, slam! Sox win! Sox win! Hear the stories from the friends who knew Farmio the best. Right now on White Sox Weekly on 720 WGN. Do our best to hold it together tonight to uh, honor a friend... A great man, a Chicagoan, 30-year White Sox announcer, MLB All-Star, St. Rita High School, 79th and Francisco. A meant a lot to me. My name is Mark Carmen. I know he meant a lot to you, Andy Mazur. Welcome. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Carmen. It's going to be a, uh, a great show, though, because uh, you know we want to celebrate the life of Ed Farmer and uh, want to remember how we knew him, right? I mean, just in that booth and having a great time and and calling Major League Baseball, uh, and, and what a thrill and an honor it was to uh, to know him, even for a short time. No doubt, no doubt. Let's bring in our first special guest of the night, the chairman of the Chicago White Sox and great friend uh, to Ed Farmer, Jerry Reinsdorf, joining us now on 720 WGN. Jerry, thanks so much for taking time in this difficult time. Uh, let, let's start with this. What, what made Ed Farmer so special for you? You guys have been friends for a long, long time. There was so you know he had so many great qualities. First of all, he had a great sense of humor, yeah. uh, it, it, but he had so many idiosyncrasies. You know the way he drove, uh, the way he thought he thought he was a doctor, the way he carried on about Notre Dame as if he had gone there. <laughs> and it's, it's it's amazing how many how many lives that he touched. I mean, the outpouring of love since his passing has been just incredible. And uh, there's so many great stories every day. He would come into my office about four o'clock on on game days. You, you, usually, when I, I was busy, I really didn't want to see him at that particular moment. But he'd come in anyway, and then I'd forget about what I had to do. Just sat there and talked to him for an hour. Yeah, you know his sense of humor. You, you didn't know sometimes if he was being serious or if he was joking. You kind of looked at him and thinking, "Are you, are you serious about what you're saying here?" I know, I know. And, and sometimes he was serious. Sometimes he was joking. You couldn't tell the difference. Uh, but he is—he was—he was—he was a, a genuinely great human being, and he tried to do as much as he could to help people all the time. And, uh, and it, you know, and there was nothing mean about him. There was nothing bad about him. It's just uh, the only thing bad about him was he didn't take care of himself. Jerry, did you ever drive with him? No, but I, but I have. Yeah, yeah. Well, I shouldn't say no. I drove with him once uh, in Detroit. Um, we were playing with the Tigers, and we had to get from the hotel to the ballpark, and traffic uh, was pretty tough, so Ed just drove on the sidewalk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he didn't care. If he, if he had gotten stopped, he would have talked his way out of it. You know, he, he loved to drive 100 miles an hour, get stopped by a cop, and then never you never get a ticket. But the, the, the best Ed driving story I know is we, we had a, a fellow uh, in the office, and he was one of our partners named Jack Gould. And Jack Gould in World War II was a bomber pilot. He flew 35 missions. Uh, uh, one night we were playing in Milwaukee, and Ed drove Jack home from uh, Milwaukee to his home in Glencoe. And as he got out of the car, Jack turned to Ed and said, 
I flew 35 missions over Germany. I was never as afraid as I was in the last hour. Well, those stories are definitely legendary. Uh, Jerry, I'm curious, too. Uh, did Ed embody the spirit of exactly what the White Sox are all about, in your opinion? Oh, no question. You know, he was a, a, a blue-collar guy. Uh, he lived and in, in, in died White Sox. So, you know, I, I, I had to force him to give Cub scores when they were ahead. He never wanted to give the Cub score if they were leading. <laughs> <laughs> he hated the Cubs, loved the White Sox, grew up with the White Sox, wanted to play for the White Sox from the time he, was, he went to his first game. I think he was eight years old. I mean, he was a White Sox through and through. Jerry, I think he might actually owe you a couple dollars because if anybody ever needed tickets, they would call up Farmio and he would he would take care of so many. Uh, and and not just obviously White Sox tickets, but in anything you needed. You want you want to go to Notre Dame? You need a new car? I mean, Ed Farmer was there for you. Oh, no, no question. Uh, he, he was truly America's guest. He could get into any place. You know, for a time, he he had a gig as a as a golf course grader for Golf Digest magazine. So he'd go play on any golf course he wanted to. Um, I remember uh, I was flying with Tony Larusa to Las Vegas once, and uh, Tony said, "I got I got two forces. I've got to get onto this golf course in Vegas. I don't remember what it was. Some fancy golf course is hard to get on. He said, I don't know what I'm going to do." Uh, how am I going to do this? I said, well, call Farmer. So he called Farmer from the plane, and before the plane landed, the two forces were arranged. <laughs> that that definitely sounds like uh, like him. I mean, did you ever meet anybody with the, with the ease of which he spoke to people and just how people just related to him so quickly? I mean, I only knew him for a brief time, a couple of years here, but you, he made you feel like you knew him forever. Oh, yeah. He, he made everybody feel like he was their best friend. And, and I think I think he was. He was everybody's best friend. It's just nothing he wouldn't do. If he thought somebody needed help, he would he would figure out how to get the help. Jerry, I was talking to Bill Melton, and, I, and he told me a story that I think you wanted Bill Russell's autograph, and Bill didn't sign for anyone, so you asked Farmio, and he got it done. Is that accurate? No, it's close. Uh, Farmer, he, he asked me, he said, uh, would, would, you, would you like a, uh, an autograph basketball from Bill Russell? I said, yeah, who wouldn't? I said, but Bill doesn't sign these things. And, uh, well, Bill called Joe Morgan, who was Bill Russell's best friend. And the next thing I know, I, I got an autographed basketball from Bill Russell. <laughs> That's great. You know, I also got an autograph. I, I also have a, a, an autograph jersey from Sandy Koufax. Ed took it upon himself, called Sandy, said, I want you to sign this, send him the jersey, and I got the jersey. I mean, I, I didn't ask for those things. He just thought I'd like them. <laughs> he knew everybody. Yes, he, he certainly did. Uh, we hear stories about uh, his relationship with uh, with former President Bush and getting on the golf course and being able to uh, kind of, uh, I guess, get a plane in the air when it shouldn't have been in the air. Right. Well, yeah. One, I, I don't remember what the circumstances were, but the team was on a plane. plane couldn't take off. I don't know if there were, if it was a storm or whatever, but, but now they were letting planes take off. But, you know, we were way down the pecking order and Pilots told Ed, you know, we were going to just sit there and have to wait our turn. He, he just called Bush at the White House, and five minutes later, we were in the air. <laughs> is there is there anything out there, Jerry, that maybe people don't know that you'd like to share about Ed? Oh God, I, you know, I could talk for hours, you know, with, with stories about him. Just uh, he he he. What you heard on the radio, that was the guy. You know, that was the guy. You know, I, I've been telling people lately. You know, he and Moose, he and Moose Cowan. Used to go back and forth to each other all the time, 
and, and you know, good-natured fun, but always picking on each other. I told somebody the other day, I said, I don't know if there's a heaven, but if there is a heaven, I know Moose is up there. And I know when Moose saw Ed walk in, he had to say, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> You know, he is attached to so many of the, the recent successful moments in this team's history. You go back to 20, uh, 2005, uh, perfect games, no hitters, that uh, big game 163 in 2008. But, and obviously this guy will never be forgotten by White Sox fans. Yeah, and he, and he, he, hated, he hated to lose. He used to tell me all the time, I hate to lose. I hate to lose. Uh, you know, he suffered, he suffered through some losses. We had some bad years. But uh, he, never, he never lost his spirit. He always... He always felt that uh, a better day was coming. That's why I really feel, you know, kind of sad that he's not going to be around to see the fruits of, you know, the rebuild that we've gone through. Yeah, it's, it's, it is most definitely right on the way. Hey, Jerry, we really appreciate you jumping on and, and talking about Farmio. We, we, we know it's a tough time for everybody, and uh, it's, it was great to have you on to lead it off tonight. So thank you so much. All right, well, thanks for doing this. I think it's great. It is most definitely our pleasure. Our pleasure. The chairman, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, on 720 WGN. All right, we've got a full show here. We've got, coming up right now, the head groundskeeper, the sod father, Roger Bossert, is going to be with us here, Andy. They're very, very close friends with Farmio. Yes, indeed. And also the senior director of business development and broadcasting, Bob Grimm, who sat in that radio booth for year after year after year. <laughs> he could have been anywhere in the ballpark. But he spent the bulk of his time in that radio booth. So we'll do that next, 720 WGN. And the pitch swung on high, deep to left. Got a chance. Cut the trap. It's gone. Game-winning home run. Light it up. Sox win. 12-11. And the 0-1. A swing and a line drive right center field. This is it well. To the track. At the fence. Slam. Sox lead on a grand slam by Tim Anderson. Over the scoreboard and right. Sox lead 4-2. Turn on the fireworks. Seven twenty WGN. We are honoring the great Ed Farmer tonight, and uh, it's Mark Carmen. It's Andy Mazur. It's seven twenty WGN. We have two guests on the line right now. One is the senior director of business development and broadcasting, Bob Grimm, and the other is our head groundskeeper, the sod father, Roger Bossard. Both on the line tonight to honor Farmio, Mark Carmen, and Andy Mazur. Hey, Bob. Let's let's start with you. You could have been. Anywhere in the ballpark, but you spent a lot of time in booth four on the broadcast level, sitting there with Farmio and DJ, and you obviously did that by choice. What did you love so much about being in there every night? Well, it's just the energy that I brought every game. Um, He really was someone that the sincerity and his passion for the ball club and his love for Chicago was just it came through in every broadcast. Uh, it was just a, a pleasure to, as, as his friend, to know him. He was the most generous, kindest person that you can have as a friend. And knowing that he was going to go on the air with DJ, you never really knew what to expect and what stories he would tell. He'd always get Notre Dame and, and, and golf stories in there. But, you know, just what a great, great announcer and broadcaster he was over the years. And, of course, the St. Reader reference once in a while in there as well. You can't get away from those. Right. Hey, Roger, obviously we talk about Ed, and you guys go way back. How far back do you guys go? Actually, guys, uh, I'm so happy to be on this phone call here. Um, Eddie and I go back to 1965. We actually played ball against each other. 
when we were 15, 16, 17 years old. Um, he's a dear friend. Barb and Shand have been dear, uh, been over to my house many times for dinner. Uh, it's hard to believe that he's gone, but I got to tell you what, uh, people don't realize it. This guy was actually an all American athlete when he was younger. He was the guy, if you guys remember when you used to go, you used to play baseball against some team and you run into a pitcher, you go, Oh, we're not going to beat this guy. Ed Farmer was that guy. I mean, I think he averaged 14, 15 strikeouts a game. Although I'll tell you what, I did get him back every once in a while. <laughs> I used to always, I used to, he and I'd be together and someone would ask us about that. And I'd always tell people that I took him deep twice. And Eddie wouldn't say anything. He'd just laugh. The truth of the fact is, the deepest I took Ed Farmer was a ground ball to second base. Uh, he, you know, this was a guy that he could throw. When, he was, when Eddie was 16, he was throwing a football 75 yards. Wow. I mean, yeah, I mean, he was he was just special. Uh, great personality. Eddie always made two phone calls after every game at night. One was to Barb, and the other was to me. Many times, Eddie and I would talk till twelve thirty, one o'clock in the morning, talking about the team, what needs to be done, what we're going to do, what's going to happen. Uh, miss him dearly. Just a uh, what a great personality. Got a memory like an elephant. Um, I'll tell you a story. Here's Ed Farmer. Uh, two years ago, one of the women that worked in concessions at the park, an older woman, she was talking to Eddie, and she told him that she needed glasses and she couldn't afford them. Eddie told her to meet him in the parking lot the next morning, had a night game at 10, 10 in the morning. He took her to one of our team positions, optometrist. He got her glasses, had, her, had everything taken care of. He took care of everything for her. That's Ed Farmer. Hey Bob, that's uh, those stories are. There's a line, a thousand long of them. He was a guy that got so much pleasure in giving. Right, it filled him up to see other people happy. It's, it's just a beautiful way to go about your life. There's no question, Mark Andy, and I, and I, I, I witnessed it many times as Roger just talked about. I'd walk in the booth and there'd be someone up there from a, a you know rescue home for animals or whatever, and he had no qualms about. He he'd pull out a hundred, two hundred dollar bill and just. You know, he would give it to these people for the food or whatever these people needed to keep the rescue operation running. Um, how he talked to people, especially those that were kidney transplant patients, if you came in and told them, hey, can you do me a favor? This person really is down. They're going to get a kidney transplant. He would get on the phone right away uh, and talk to these people. One of my favorite stories is when he came into my office, like Jerry was talking about, before every game, he would come into our offices and just, you know, talk about the game or whatever. But one day he came in, and I had a, a complaint letter about Ed from a fan who said he talked too much about Notre Dame football and golf. He said, give me that letter. Let me see that. And he saw the address. He, he makes me get on the phone to find out through directory assistance this person's phone number, calls the person up, and I go, oh, no, this is either going to be very good or very bad. And it turned out that by the time the call was over, he had won this fan over and said, Ed, I love you, and I will always listen to White Sox baseball on, on radio with you. That's so awesome. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all, uh, and knowing him the short time that we did. But, uh, Roger, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the fact that uh, that Ed was this kind of guy that could relate to everybody. You, you know, you kind of mentioned the story there about uh, the lady in concessions, but have you ever been around anybody that had that uh, that skill and that uh, that level of being able to do that? No, you know what? This is uh, this is my fifty fourth year uh, in baseball in the major leagues, and I've never run into anybody like Ed Farmer. Uh, I heard Jerry previously talking about how he just he knew everybody and just had a great sense of, of humor, a great personality, memory like an elephant. Um, and I will say this too: 
I have driven with Ed Farmer, and believe me when I tell you that it's an exercise in uh, humility and trying to keep your mouth shut when you're driving along the, the edge of the road there because Eddie doesn't like traffic when it's raining out and he's going about 88 miles an hour. Uh, he was special. I've got to tell you one thing, though, that Eddie and I laughed about. You know, everybody can tell Ed Farmer stories, and, and I certainly could probably talk for three hours. He and I were just so close. But remember the time I asked him, there was it, word was going around five or six years ago that Ed Farmer claimed that he threw a ball through a car wash. The car wash was going. He threw the ball through it, and the, the ball didn't get wet. So I stopped him one day. I said, hey, I just heard this. I said, is that true? And he goes, no. And I started laughing. He said, it had two drops on it. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey. Go ahead, Roger. No, he's uh, he's special. Uh, he will be missed. Uh, my wife and I, obviously, like everyone, know him very well. And it's hard to believe that he's actually gone. But, you know, that's, that's sort of a uh, um, we'll remember him just for always. Uh, he was special. Always be special in my life. Bob, before we go here, one thing that I've just really enjoyed is reading all the pieces from Sully, who Andy was quoting there, and Barry Rosner. I wrote my own thing. It, it, so many people on the radio, in print, on TV, have stepped up with so much love for Farmio. And it, it's just amazing. It's just so genuine of how many people that he's touched. I think that's been the most beautiful part of this time, how many people are just, are that Farmer meant so much to so many people. Well, and I think what you're saying there is just basically how much he was appreciated by people because of how he treated others. You know, he would give you the shirt off his back. The stuff that we're seeing now that's being written about him is, is such a great tribute to him, and I'm so happy. And, and I can't wait to get all this to Barbara and Shannon because they will be so happy to see all of it and realize how much he was really loved because his love for people was genuine. He had three things that were important to him, his love for Barbara and Shanda, his love for the White Sox, and his love of his faith. I mean, that really came out in him, and you knew that right away. And if you were a friend of Ed Farmer, you had a friend for life. Yeah, no doubt. Gentlemen, so great to have you on sharing. We're going to move on to the Senior Vice President of Communications, Scott Reifert, after a quick timeout. DJ's coming up at 645, but Bob Grimm, Roger Bossard, thanks for jumping on tonight. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks, Andy. Andy. Really so much. Appreciate My pleasure. It. It, it, most definitely our pleasure. We're here to honor at Farmio tonight at 720 WGN. Now back to our tribute and celebration of the life of Ed Farmer on White Sox Weekly here at 720 WGN. Paul Zarang, producer engineer, is coming up in about five minutes, who was in the booth forever, and his brother Mark worked with Farmio and, and DJ and that's coming up right now is Senior Vice President of Communications, Scott Reifert on 720 WGN. Scott, word on the street is that you battled it out with Farmio on the golf course. Is that accurate? <laughs> well, I was usually about 20 yards behind him, but yeah, otherwise uh, that's, there, there's some truth to that. <laughs> hey, Scott, I know you, you rose through many different levels of the White Sox organization while Ed was uh, in that broadcast booth, but I would imagine that uh, no matter where you were, he was the same guy. Uh, very true. In fact, uh, we all, I've been with the team for 30 years, so basically we've, we've paralleled one another. I remember meeting him at the winter meetings in 1990 and wondering, who the heck is this guy? And boy, over the next 30 years, I found out. Um, Ed was one of a kind, as you've heard, and, and I think the stories just pile up. Um, I've played some of the greatest golf courses in this country because of Ed Farber. 
<laughs> and uh, one of the stories that kind of resonated with me was uh, he used to joke with me. He said, you know, the only objective in golf is never hit the ball from the same place twice. And uh, I ended up in a sand trap on a fairway one time, and I'll, I'll never forget it. And Eddie pulls up in his golf cart next to me as I'm getting ready to hit my ball. And I take a mighty swing, and I hit it right off the lip of the the the, uh, the bunker, and it comes right exactly back to the same spot. And he looks at me, doesn't say anything. He's got that twinkle in his eye and that smile that he had, you know, kind of that mischievous look. And he just pressed down the gas and drove away. So. Did he? Uh, did you ever get in some foursome, Scott, where he was bringing in, I don't know, the president or, or somebody that, whoa, I would not be playing with this particular gentleman if I wasn't friends with Farmio? We ran into uh, Bo one time uh, on at COG, of course, and uh, Bo joined us, and, you know, the thing about Ed on the golf course, and I, and I say this to a lot of people, that everyone thinks they're competitive, right? But there is a different level of competitive when you start to talk about professional athletes. And with Ed on the golf course, that to me is where it showed up. That's where I got to see the guy that was closing games in the 1980s. You go on to we go up onto the tee, and you didn't go to the back uh, the back set of tees. You went to the back of the back box. Um, which, if you play Dubs Dread, you know there are some holes I didn't even have a chance of getting it to the fairway. But here's Ed, and here's Bo, and they're letting it rip, um, trying to outdrive one another. And then on the putting green, Eddie was unsurpassed. Hundred yards in, his touch, his eye hand coordination. It was, a, it was a wonderful guy to play golf with. Scott, have you ever met a guy like Ed that, that uh, could just casually drop a name that, uh, you know, would just in casual conversation? I don't mean this in a bad way, of course. I just mean he, he knew all these people, though. Well, I, I think that's the thing, Andy. I mean, it's all, it was all true. Um, I think a couple years ago there was an event at uh, George Bush's uh, library in Dallas, and Jerry Reinsdorf and I, we were in spring training. Uh, so Jerry said, you want to go along? You know, sure. So we hop in Jerry's plane and we fly to Dallas for the night for this event. We get in the receiving line. There's the president and the first lady there. And we go up and we get up to to the president and say hello. And he, of course, knows Jerry from from baseball. And the second thing he asks is, how's Farmio? (laughs) And, you know, it's just like you you start to realize, yeah, Ed's got reach. Yeah, and from your seat, too, you know, you're worried about – Promoting the ball club, you're the vice president of communications. To have somebody in the radio booth that basically is wearing the uniform and loves it so much, that's uh, that, that had to be a nice, comfortable feeling, Scott Reifert. Oh, I, no, absolutely, Mark. I mean, I mean, it was one of the things that kind of aha yesterday for me as as, as I went through all this stuff, uh, the stuff, the, the great tributes to Ed. Uh, we looked at Twitter. Um, I knew him as a friend, so I, I like any human being, I, I'm going through the emotions of, of losing somebody that I've spent 30 years working with. But the other amazing thing to, to step back as a communications or PR person and to look at the love and to look at the impact that he had on so many people. Um, and, of course, you see it when you're with him each day. You see it. You hear it. Um, and it's unfortunate that it takes someone's passing to see that level of love and respect. And I, and I think, I do think it's different. I think it was different for Ed for a few reasons. One, I think it does matter more in baseball. I think that a baseball broadcaster is on the air every night, day in and day out, three hours a night. You really do feel like, like you're a member of his family and he's a member of yours. 
And that was very true with Ed. And the fact that Ed was here for 30 years, uh, the fact that Ed grew up, as we all know, at 79th at Francisco, um, Ed was one of us. He was a Sox fan. He bled, just like Jerry said. He he cared if he won, and we cared if he lost. If 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 he was in a if we were in a losing streak, he was in a bad mood, and would grumble about it. Um, that came across, and and it and it sadly took his passing here to to kind of make you go wow. He he had there were over a million Twitter mentions um, when Ed passed. Um, that that just shows you his level of friendship around the country. And, you know, you mentioned the uh, the impact that he had. Have you ever been around somebody who, who felt so at ease around pretty much everybody, anybody who would come up to him? I was saying this just a few moments ago that, you know, you felt like you knew him forever, like he was your best friend for a long time. The only other person I would put in the same ballpark, pun intended, is Ozzy. And to see Ed and Ozzy in the same room was always, was, oh, I mean, as, as everyone who's come on here has said, and everybody after me is going to say, Ed would come in and spend an hour in my office. If you add up all the hours, your day is 36 hours long, right? <laughs> but, but that's what Ed did. And, 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 and Ozzy had that same feeling. But yes, absolutely, Eddie had that feeling. You, you could always tell the new guys. The new guys weren't completely sure, and they're like, who is this guy, and what's his deal? And you know, and he's certainly a clubhouse sense of humor, certainly deadpan. You didn't always know. Um, and I know DJ uh, has said publicly, used to go around and kind of warn guys ahead of time of what they're getting into. <laughs> but at, at one of Eddie's best stories was from spring training. He was 17 years old, and he, he got brought up to Major League Camp for the Indians. Um not even official. They like put a nail into the wall and let him hang his stuff there. Um, and Buddy Bell, at one point I saw Buddy Bell and I said, Hey, what was Ed, what was Eddie like as a 17, 18, 19 year old kid? He goes exactly like he is now. I said, well, how'd that go over in a clubhouse of veteran players? He goes, like, you think it would go over. <laughs> so I think, it, I think the Eddie at 17 is the Eddie we got uh, at, at 70. Scott Reifer, thanks so much for taking time. It's uh, it's an honor to have you on tonight, and uh, appreciate all the stories on Farmio. It's awesome. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate the fact that you're doing this, and and uh, he deserves it. It's a chance, I think, for all of us to remember a friend with a smile. No, so thank you. Yeah, you no doubt. Thanks, Scott. It's our it's our pleasure. Scott Reifer, Vice President of Communications of the White Sox, as we bring in the producer engineer of White Sox baseball. Paul Zarang on 720 WGN. We have a uh, montage for Farmville. We're going to play in about five minutes, too, and DJ's coming up. Paul, uh, thanks for taking time as well. A lot of time in that booth, Paul Zarang. You and your brother, Mark, in the booth before you. Uh, and I, I'm sure it, it makes you uh, feel full tonight hearing everybody talking about uh, Farmville the way they are. Yes, sir, man. This was great to hear everybody. We've been just texting, and um, man, I'm glad you guys are doing it. Hey Z, you know you uh, you were asked to get a lot of things for him over the years. I mean, he kind of would look back at you and say, "Hey Z, I need this, I need this." Uh, what was that like? I mean, obviously you had something to do, you had a job to do to keep the get the broadcast on the air, but you also wanted to keep him happy in that booth, didn't you? Yes, producer, secretary, uh, waiter. I was, I did a lot. <laughs> we would, um, you know, if Ed needed something, he, he was stuck to his headset, so I would go get him whoever he requested to get. <laughs> And, you know, we had a full booth all the time anyways because Ed would, like, like someone would gather stray dogs on his 
entrance into the place. Ed would just bring people in, whether it was a police officer who pulled them over for speeding. He would have those guys up there and their dogs. And we've had a whole bunch of issues in that booth, but they were all fun. And I usually don't tell on anything that happens in the booths because it's a sacred place. But there are, you know, many, many stories, and it's good to hear Bob and the Sod Father speak about them. Yeah, every time I would walk up to booth four and just I would open the door very, very quietly and, <laughs> and, and just and just enough to peek at like who is in here right now? Is the is the coast clear to just do a quick hello or is there twenty five people hanging out? What what did what did he require from you, Paul, as far as just getting a game together? Would did, did he would, was there a, a Farmio checklist that you had to go through? Or was he as easy as just here's your headset, let's go? that headset could be on fire i would turn and put it on and just start to do the game he he really he had a lot of trust in his crew and engineers all the time he knew we were all in and ready for him um he 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 didn't have a he could stop in the middle of the broadcast and carry on a conversation with you know half the people that were in the booth and turn around and just not miss a beat in there or where he was in his stories so it was you know he 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 wasn't high maintenance. All the guys I get to work with, I'm so lucky, aren't high maintenance, and they're they're all pros. They do their job, and but Ed was like no one ever. I've traveled the world in the music biz, and I've never met anyone like them. And DJ too. They're they're just sweet people, just very very solid guys. You know, Ed was another. You know, I I went to Saint Ida on the north side. He'd go, I went to Saint Rita. Then when he'd ever say. I I'm go I was I went to St. Rita, I'd say I went to Mother Macaulay and he'd go, No, you didn't I <laughs> <laughs> would always every every day there would St. Rita would come up and I just would, you know, joke with him about that and he just he loved this crew though. He, when you guys first came on the set, he was very uh and I know you guys know this, very welcoming and um he loved Krista and, and all the crew back at the station. I mean really, really We'd buy you guys pizza. He'd throw his credit card back there and say, "Give him my credit card. Get those guys pizzas back there." He just just a caring guy, like you've heard, and you know he was very good to my family. With Mark, when Mark uh, passed away, I didn't get to make it in in time, but Ed Ed you know divert diverted from uh, going to Notre Dame for a game and went and saw Mark take his last breath, and that was cool. And he carried Mark's uh, funeral card with him. You know, and he always would show it to me or Stevie and anyone who was in the booth. He goes, I got it right here. <laughs> he just, he loved Mark and would always, at the end of the broadcast, give him a shout out. And, and that just kind of solidifies the things that we're, we're hearing about, Ed, and uh, that we know. But, uh, you know, fans don't get privy to because uh, obviously they're not there with us. But uh, on a lighter note, booth four, <laughs> there were there were some restaurants in Chicago that weren't as full of food as Booth 4 was, on an everyday, every-night basis. No, sir. <laughs> what did we eat? <laughs> he, um, boy, people would send up the pies. You know, he'd have the bakers up there. He'd have, you know, the people from across the street, the Gibsons folks, would send trays and trays of food. Even after we'd have it, Edward, someone would come in and it looked hungry. We would feed them. <laughs> he got them fed. <laughs> Chicken tenders, Mike and Ike's, yep. Kirsten's Donuts. Yeah, the, and the, right? the, the pies were unbelievable. Key lime pie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Me and DJ started bringing our own food to try to be a little healthy, but Ed, Ed would look at us and just like we were from another planet. <laughs> what are you eating that stuff what for? What are you doing that for? And then, you know, Mark 
with uh, Levy there would bring, Ed asked for Ritz one day, and he goes, you want Ritz crackers? <laughs> Why would you want Ritz? I go, I, we don't have that here. <laughs> so he, he had asked, um, he had the best of food. That place has the best food, too. But he, um, yeah, we, we never went hungry in there. Paul's a ring producer, engineer, White Sox baseball on 720 WGN. Uh, before we go here, Paul, like, is there any one favorite story you want to tell before heading on out? God, there's so many, man. I, I and a lot of them are personal. <laughs> yeah. So um, everyone says you're you're always, you're like a fly on the wall. You should write a book. My book would probably have a picture on the front, and it would be blank because I'm you know a confidant, as you you know know this. Yeah, <laughs> I can't say this stuff on the air that is popping <laughs> into my head right now. Well, we we look forward to the book bed down the line. But hey, Z, thanks so much for it jumping on. It will be blank. On. Hey, thank you guys. <laughs> Miss you too. Thanks, Z. Yeah, absolutely. Producer, engineer, Paul's Take right. care, man. Yeah. We're going to have DJ coming up here in a couple of minutes, but let's uh, let's play a little tribute to Farmio right now on 720 WGN. I came over from the Texas Rangers, and they started me three games, and I went 0-3 with an earned run average of 13, covering nine innings with 22 hits. To the um, manager, and I said, I'm a different guy out of the bullpen. He goes, you want me to put you in the bullpen? I said, Opposed to putting me on a boat? Yeah, that would be a good thing. <laughs> and it was Don Kessinger, and uh, he started using me in the bullpen. I think I won 27 innings with I gave up three hits. Marshall will look at third with no one there, and the 2-2 on the ground to short in the outfield. Anderson, the long throw, going to be close. He got him. Oh, yeah. Star quality right there. It's all gold. Getting the Astros here, and here's Canerco on the pitch to PK. Swinging along with a left. It's going to go. It's a slam. Sox lead. 6-4. Light it up. The pitch swung on high, deep to left. Got a chance. Fit the trap. It's gone. Game winning home run. Light it up. Sox win. 12-11. The 0-1. A swing and a line drive right center field. This is it well. To the track. At the fence. Slam. Sox lead on a grand slam by Tim Anderson over the scoreboard and right. Sox lead four to two. We had no idea what was happening between games. All I know is that when I threw a pitch, there was a 45 disco record flying in the infield. Swing line drive, right center field, get down ball. The Shields comes in, dives, can't get it. One run in, Abreu scores. Another run across Del Monaco to third Davidson, and the White Sox lead, and they lead by a deuce at four to two. Swing a high fly, deep right center field. This is going to go to the bleachers. It's a three-run bomb to right, and the White Sox lead six to three on the home run by Daniel Polka. Light it up. One basic fact is common to both starting and relief pitchers. That is, the pitcher is a key defensive player on any baseball team. He must match his wits, ability, and strength against the best hitters the opposing team can deliver. He is working every second on the mound. The pitcher is at war with the batter. Nova will look at second deals, and that's a drop ball third. Could be three. The second for one on the first. Triple play. They turn the triple play. It goes five. Four, three on a triple play. He did get the double play, but he also got a bonus with a one a third. How about that? Swinging a long one to right. We got a new ball game. This ball goes over the fence. Garcia jumps. Did he get it? He got it. He caught the ball in the Oriole bullpen. He went over the fence and took away a home run from Davis. I thought it was in the bullpen. He went over the fence and right and brought it back. What a play by Garcia and Wright. Swinging a long one. Tagged, bagged, second home run. Light it up. 
That is absolutely crushed out of here. Wow. Sox win. Sox win. Sox win. Turn on the fireworks. Great job by Curtis Koch putting that together. Our tribute to Farmio. Let's bring in his partner, his friend, uh, Darren Jackson on 720 WGN. DJ, thanks so much for taking time. So many stories being told, and it's a challenging time for everybody. But I, I want to know when you knew that, you know, this guy's not just going to be my partner. He's going to become one of my best friends in life because you guys had a special, special bond. Well, you're right, Carmen. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, but there's no question. We became, uh, we definitely had been family, Ed and I, for all the years we worked together, but we were friends before that. You know, Ed and I became friends back in the early 90s when I first joined the White Sox, and then that just kind of uh, grew exponentially as as the time went on. And when I was doing TV with Hawk, I still went out and played golf with Ed and got to know his family so well through the years I was even in the TV booth with Shanda and Barbara. And then we became uh, partners after that, and then it was even, it was even, we became closer. Uh, we were definitely like brothers over the years, and as so many people will uh, attest to, including yourself, Carm, and you, Andy, that, that when you come in the booth, you could hear Ed and I just bickering back and forth, and it was <laughs> more, more so than any partnership that there could ever be, because we were that close, and we knew we can have fun getting on each other, and then go do our jobs, so... You know, it's a great thing you guys are doing, uh, this tribute to Ed today, and uh, well-earned, well-deserved, and such a major loss in the city of Chicago for everybody that's ever been involved with Ed Farmer. DJ, uh, we've, we've talked about it a lot here tonight, but I'm sure that uh, you can provide some insight into this as well, but just about how generous Ed was as a human being. It's just a, a kind soul who, when he said something to you, he absolutely meant it, didn't he? Well, if he said it, He'd get it done, whether it be, hey, you want an ice cream? I'll go across the city to get it for you, and he would. I mean, he literally literally would go anywhere, do anything to accomplish the end goal of of pleasing other people. So, um, yeah, he he was literal. Uh, If he said it, it was was definitely going to be a fact, and uh, there's no doubt. And I'm going to tell you, Andy, there's – I've obviously – I've been on the phone nonstop for the last couple of days from so many friends that I have met through Ed – um, whether it be within the baseball world or outside of it, more outside of it than anything, that uh, they they have contacted me and the stories, the the interactions with Ed, it's just endless. The amount of people, the verbatim there is of people talking about the conversation that they had with Ed the one time that they met him up in our booth or on a road trip in our booth. It was just, it's amazing the impression he left on anybody. Whether they walked away scratching their head or walked away laughing their heinies off, uh, you you had a memorable experience with Ed Farmer, no matter what it was. Yeah, I would walk away like he must think I'm a complete idiot. I have no understanding. <laughs> he was just at Harvard, and what happened? I have no idea what I was just told. Did you did you ever say to him like just you know off when when it was quiet in there? Hey, uh, Farmio, is there any way we can have less people in the booth tonight? Can we just have a quiet scene? Like, did that conversation ever happen? Because at, at some point, it's got to be like, oh my god, there's so many people there. Can I just have a breather? But that was part of the deal that was made it so beautiful too. At the same time, well, you're right in the sense that when I came over from TV, that's the established setup there in the booth. I mean, it was it had always been that there had been a. A round table up there. There have been people sitting around, conversation going on, people filtering in and out. And I kind of came in and I said, whoa, 
okay, this is the norm, not from where I'm coming from, but this is normal here. So I kind of just, I settled in and, and took it all in and actually became a better person because of it. I got to meet so many great people because of it. Um, there were definitely times, as you well know, where if you tried to open the door before the game, there'd be 20 people in there. I mean, and you'd go, okay, this is too much. And it did, it did at times. It was overwhelming for anybody that needed to get into us for legitimate reasons other than just hanging out in there having a cookie, as some of the guys might say. So um, there were times where I'd look at Ed, yeah, and I'd say, hey, uh, that's a little too much. You just met those 15 people today, and they're up in the booth, you might want to go ahead and make sure that they can get out of here so the people that need to get in here for an interview or whatever can get in here and do the job. So no no question that there are times where it was hard for him. Paul's a ring, Mark's a ring. They would literally have to say, is it okay if we get some of these people out of here? We've got business to take care of. Ed had a hard time telling the people he had invited in they had to go, so it fell on others to step up and say, <laughs> Hey, you got to go right now because we got some business to take care of. And Ed had no problem once you did that, and he knew it needed to get done. But his heart was so big, it was hard for him to go ahead and tell people they had to leave because he assumed that they were going to know on their own. EJ, can you describe just the, the passion that Ed had for the game of baseball, whether it be on the field when he when he pitched, and and he brought that to the broadcast booth, didn't he? Oh, you know that. Um, there, there, there's no question about the passion for the game itself. And from being a pitcher, caring about his team and all that mattered to him was winning. I had so many conversations with him about the, how much it sucked losing, being on a losing side of anything. He could not stand to lose. That's it. Didn't matter what we were doing. He hated losing. I mean, with a passion. Then, of course, he went into scouting and he wanted to be the best scout. He wanted to tell the truth. He wanted to make an evaluation and let you know how he felt, not what anybody else thought. And he was going to be honest about it. And then from the from his actions as a broadcaster, as anything he ever said, he said it with a passion. So I said Farmer to a T is a man that uh, he was honest, lived with passion and you know, he's somebody that I knew physically I couldn't keep up with him. It didn't matter what his condition was, whether if he was dealing with a bad ankle or if he wasn't feeling good, he could wear you out in the day if you tried to keep up with him. I used to tell him, no, I'm done. I'll see you later. So <laughs> he, he had endless energy that uh, was hard to match. DJ, I've talked to a couple of people who thought that maybe he knew that you know, time was short for him and that he wanted to do at least one more game, and he got himself to spring training and did that. Did you ever get a sense that he was you know, doing that game because he, he didn't know if he was going to make it to opening day? No, not at all. That's not the case. Um, Ed was fully prepared and trying to get himself ready for the season. Yeah, That's it. He, he worked his hiney off this winter to try and get himself as strong as can be. I talked to him uh, uh, not on a daily basis but close to it throughout the winter of him trying to regain uh, some strength from some of the stuff he'd been dealing with, working out, getting stronger. Um, and he was getting himself prepared to do every single ball game this year. Simple as that. And that's the truth. God's honest truth is that there was a man that was working harder than any of us uh, under conditions where it wasn't easy for him to do it physically, but he was doing it, putting the work in to get ready and come back and, and honor us all, honor the city with uh, the great job that he did up in the booth. Well, it's been phenomenal for all of us at WGN to be able to work with you guys, and uh, we're going to miss Farmio greatly, DJ. And we really, really appreciate you jumping on tonight and, and honoring him. But uh, you guys have been first class all the way. It's been, it's just been an honor again for for us here to uh, to partner with you guys. So thank you so much, and thank you for honoring your friend tonight. 
Well, you're welcome, Colin. Thank you, Andy. And I'm going to tell you this right now. Um, of all the years and all the places and the stations that Ed and I or Ed himself worked with, he was never happier. I'm going to, this is the truth. Ever happier working with the crew from WGN and how professional and amazing they've been uh, in the time that we've been with you guys. And uh, there's not a negative thing he ever said about working with WGN and absolutely loved his relationship with everybody there. So thank everybody there for what you did and provided him uh, enjoying his last seasons in baseball. Yeah, we loved him right back. DJ, be well. We'll talk to you soon, okay? All right, guys. Thank you. Thanks, DJ. The great Darren Jackson. All right, Blackhawks hockey's coming up. Thank you so much for listening. Andy, great to be with you. Good to be with you as well. And great to honor Ed Farmer, 720 WGN.